eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back. It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. There's football in just a, a few, a few, but many hours, but it feels like it's coming. You know, it's it's less than two days away from recording, probably maybe even less than a day of recording whenever somebody's listening to this, but uh, just so pumped that there's actually going to be football Thursday night. And, you know, as much grief as we give Thursday night football in the NFL, it does seem like they always pick an awesome matchup for week one's Thursday night. And I think obviously that's on purpose to get people to watch, but man, I would watch like, Jags Texans <laughs> if that's what they wanted to get out of the way I'd be like oh sweet the NFL's back but then they give us uh Bills Rams and that is way more exciting no I'm all in for this game and it's fun because we record on Tuesday then we'll, we'll record again on Thursday and it'll be like an hour before kickoff so I'm gonna be all football mode on Thursday but we got that week over with I feel like the dead period after preseason as you're waiting for regular season about a two-week period Bengals get back to camp. Or get back to camp. I'm so used to them going to training camp. Get back to practice tomorrow after an off day on Tuesday. We'll be from Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor tomorrow. We'll recap all of that on Thursday show. But you know, it's big in the NFL because the captains were named. And the reason I say that is, I feel like we're seeing that more this year. Obviously, in Cincinnati, it's a big deal. Everybody pays attention to it. But all of the NFL teams, that special social media announcement, the countdown, it just it's a big deal now. You get the offensive side, Joe Burrow, no surprise. Joe Mixon, no real surprise. Ted Karras, personally, I think that a little bit of a surprise, but in a good way. You think of Joe Burrow's offensive line and some of the free agents that they were able to sign. And when your center is named the captain by the players, I think that's a big deal. You go to the defensive side, DJ Reader, Sam Hubbard, Von Bell. Not surprising, but the DJ Reader thing, and I want to get this correct. This might be the first time that he was named a captain, which is insane to me because you think of that guy as a big piece of leadership 
and special teams, Michael Thomas. I know a lot of people were confused because they get the Michael Thomas receiver. You got the safety, but he brings a lot to the special teams room. A lot of people call him Uncle Michael Thomas, Uncle Mike. What did you think about the captain's name, offense, defense, and special teams? Yeah, the offense one is the one that's surprising because if you just ask me who are the three offensive captains, and I'd probably say Burrow, Mixon, and Boyd, right? And then uh, because he's been there so long and a focal part of the uh, the offense for so long, but it does make sense to get an offensive lineman in there. You know, they've got some uh, higher quality guys now than they did the past couple of years. And Karras is a veteran who's coming from Super Bowl champion pedigree. And it seems like everybody flocks to him and just he seems like the leader. I've heard stories about how he has all the guys over. He's building chemistry with his linemen. He's doing all this. So I get it. I, I understand. And it, I'm not shocked, I guess, but I am kind of surprised. I guess I'm not surprised with uh, with Reader just because I love the guy. <laughs> Hubbard's been a captain for a few years, and um, I can't remember if Bell has or not. I guess I was surprised in that um, Logan Wilson wasn't named a captain because you think of the Mike linebacker as the captain of the defense, and then the actual captains on the Bengals' defense are two D linemen and a, <laughs> and a safety. And then uh, special teams, I guess – I guess you don't go Huber this year because he was in a position battle. <laughs> he was fighting for his job. So maybe they're looking on to somebody else, but Mike Thomas is a great pick. He, he does seem to be a veteran leader in the locker room. Most of these guys, they just seem like the veteran leader types in different ways. Karras and that, he just gives me like warm <laughs> dad of the offensive line vibes, even though I'm not even sure if he's the oldest member. And then uh, <clears throat> Reader seems like, when I think of the Bengals defense, I think of Reader as the the leader and the hot take of the star. I think he's the best player on the defense, just what he brings just as a nose tackle and what he does for that defense. So I get it, although I am also a big guy enthusiast. So I'm not sure everybody else sees it that way. There's probably plenty of people listening that are thinking like, I've got Chidobe Awuzie, Reader, Mike Hilton, Von Bell, Jesse Bates. And I'm just like, no, that'd be my one captain if I had to pick one. <laughs> No, and, and the thing is, a lot of people, I agree with you, the Tyler Boyd uh, named a captain, I was a little surprised, but here's the thing, the players vote, they have a certain number of spots, he's still a leader in the locker room when you think of those wide receivers, I think back to, goodness, I want to say 2017, 2018, and just Tyler Boyd, what he did with some of the practice squad, wide receivers, younger guys out there, he really just peps them up. He's he's like their biggest fan out there. And I think just having him on this squad, I hope they have team-friendly deals the rest of Tyler Boyd's career because I want him to stay in Cincinnati. Obviously, it's going to get difficult in the long run, but he brings a lot to the wide receiver room. But even on the defensive side with DJ Reader, he said during free agency in 2020 that the big reason why he came here was because of Joe Burrow and just the way that this offense and defense, everybody gets along. I think Mike Hilton would be one that I would think – would be a guy who could be, be named a captain. But again, they just have so many guys, which is a good problem to have offensively and defensively. It would be hard to vote in the captain room on, on who you would decide. Von Bell, 
I'm, I'll say it right now. I, I've said it already, and I, I felt this way on social media. I think he's going to be a guy that does get extended. I don't think it's going to be a crazy contract or anything like that because they're more than likely going to be moving on from Jesse Bates after this year. And I still think he brings that veteran leadership. And one of the things that this team does, and probably not a good thing to say after I say the Jesse Bates situation, that they're probably not going to get that worked out after this year. But I think they'll find some way to bring this guy back after next year. And he's just going to be another vet leader still semi-young in the secondary for this team. And, I mean, you really couldn't go wrong with, with any of the seven guys that were voted captains. But we'll go on to the quarterback. We'll hear from Joe Burrow tomorrow. Again, Zach Taylor. It's Wednesday, media press conference day. But there was a really good piece. And anytime you see a piece out on Sports Illustrated, The Ringer, there were several pieces on Joe Burrow, actually, this offseason. But Albert Breer had one out. And I think a lot just really stands out from last season, even his rookie year before the injury. Joe Burrow, what he brings to the team. You go back to a little bit of last year, and I think of a lot of games personally. And for me, I think one of my favorite Joe Burrow games was in a loss. The 49ers? And it was 49ers, fourth yeah. quarter. <laughs> that dude was on another level, what he was doing. His connection with Jamar Chase, he could have closed his eyes the way that it was going. There's one thing, and I'm not big on pile on Zach Taylor or anything like that, but if there's one thing that I could change, one thing Zach Taylor would have probably changed, not counting the Super Bowl, would be the game. you got to let Joe Cook there. He was on another level, and nobody was stopping them. And it's crazy to think about that 49ers game because it was special teams – issues they should have won the game but at the same time I'll never forget that fourth quarter but you hear the offensive coordinator Brian Callahan talk and I know Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow have a really close relationship with Zach Taylor calling the plays Brian Callahan Callahan is a big part of that too but he said you know his command last year really grew and that was a fun part of the game you go back to the divisional game against the Titans and I think everybody remembers this when his headset went out and he just remembered the early formation and was able to get the job done, go for a first down. And Zach was just impressed with that, but not really surprised. You go to Jacksonville last year when Joe was mic'd up, the perfect time to be mic'd up because that game was just wild in the first half. And Joe's like, all right, let me just take over. And it was just like a story. Joe takes over in the second half and, and they obviously come back to one last second win. But when you watch Joe Burrow last year, or even a little bit of his early on of his rookie year, what really stands out about him that makes him a different quarterback? God, the first thing is something that I think a lot of quarterbacks might have, but I'm not sure everybody has it as much as Burrow. And that's just the toughness of when I think of that Titans game and you've taken nine sacks and probably like 15 hits. I didn't count them, but just hang in there and they, they get two man and he knows that Chase is on a corner and he's against Janoris Jenkins. And while Jenkins got him a couple times, he knows Chase is going to get him this time. He he, he knows that on this uh, corner route, basically the safety is not going to have time to get over to him, even if he's in a half. And the uh, corner is inside leverage. So once he gets him to sell that inside portion of that, he's going to break off and have plenty of separation. He actually does a great job against the Steelers in the game too, because I was rewatching those for the preview. But uh, it's kind of eerie similar. But anyway, he just knows. And the thing with the corner is just it's going to be more of a five-step concept than one of those quick three-step go balls or quick game. So to be able to take like 15 hits, nine sacks, and then to still just hang strong in the pocket a year after tearing your ACL and to fire that ball out there to chase on that corner, was just it, 
perfectly placed, set him up for the field goal. Everything about that was just awesome. I mean, it's it's the clutch factor, accuracy, processing to know, and just trusting his guys. Like not every quarterback trusts their guys to make plays like that. So that's that's kind of the first thing I think of. I guess the second thing is um, just he's the that Chiefs game, more so the playoff game. I think of once again just like a clutch drive at the end. But what I want to think of is his escapability in the pocket where it felt like Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram and all those guys had him dead to rights. Like seven, it should have been another nine sack game from that, the offensive lines performance. Like it was that bad. And then uh, he's just, that wasn't the nameplate. So I guess it's both games. So he escapes one game, losing his nameplate from what should be a sack and escape that Tyron Matthew, that juke. Maybe the first game was better, but the second game was awesome too, from him just escaping the pocket when he needs to, when everything collapses around him, he could still make a play. And I think that's something that really gets underrated with him because you have all of the, um, I don't know, statistics type guys seem to think like sacks are a quarterback stat. Burrow's taking all these sacks. He must have bad pocket presence. It's not that. He's just a big game hunter. And rather than taking the check down, he'd rather try to escape, make the big play. At least that's what I see. Early on, maybe, just because he didn't feel comfortable. But late in the season and playoffs, he took those nine sacks and everything else. It's more so like he wants to make a play. And it doesn't always work out. But when it does, it's magic. It's awesome. Creates explosive plays. Everything you want. So you just kind of take the good with the bad. But that Chiefs game is just, yeah, he escaped so many sacks. He escaped so many sacks. I, the one I actually do think of, I think this is from the playoff game. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Chris Jones has him, and then he escapes. And then Chris Jones swipes at his feet as he's still escaping. And he just, like, lifts both feet up out of the way and runs for a first down. Yes. I think that was the Chiefs playoff game. But, yeah, those are the two qualities. And that's all without saying that he's has a case for the most accurate quarterback in the league. I have a confession because the AFC championship game, I was just way too nervous to watch. And I watched the whole first half and I thought they're going to lose by 30 points. What an embarrassment. Obviously, you know, it was a fun ride until now. And then of course the second half was, was a movie. I didn't watch the second half of the AFC championship game. And probably, I probably watched it two months ago. I couldn't, I couldn't watch it. I went upstairs into a room that didn't have a TV and I was following along on the ESPN app where the football goes and it shows you like the field. <laughs> I couldn't watch it physically, but my whole family's downstairs watching the AFC championship game. I can hear them reacting and I know if it's good or bad. And I like, no way this team is coming back. And I went down the very, very end with just a, a minute or so to go in regulation when I thought Sam Hubbard was going to end the game when he almost gets the ball, but then they have to go to overtime. So I watched overtime, but I never watched the second half. When I rewatched that game, you bring up Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow. I mean, of course, Joe Burrow helps them win the game. We talk about the defense in the second half and regular season and in the postseason game against the Chiefs. But Joe Burrow running for that first down changed the game. And we don't talk enough about what he did in that game because there were so many different things. I mean, they throw the two-point conversion to Trent Taylor, Jamar Chase when he's mic'd up, and Joe's like, well, we're going to go for two when we score him. I mean, just unbelievable offensively, defensively, what they were able to do against the Chiefs on the road. But I want to go to his weapon, Jamar Chase, and then you get Jamar Chase in year two. When you think about some of the connections, touchdown passes that they had together, and we can even take the Chiefs game out of it because there are a lot of highlights there. What stands out about that connection? with the two of them 
Oh, yeah. When, uh, when you started saying that, I thought that Chiefs play where he throws and Jamar still turned the other direction after escaping the pocket. But uh, other than that, really, it's how much trust he has in him almost too much at times because there was one play against the Rams. He probably shouldn't have thrown it to him on fourth down, but it's OK. <laughs> um, just the trust he has in him and his ability to read leverage and know exactly where to put the ball with Jamar. And I mean, their best route is that go with a back shoulder fade uh, option on it. And Burrow just reads like if he's even or beyond the corner, I'm tossing this deep and he's very accurate with the deep ball. So it works. And then, but if that corner is like bailing out of their hard and trying to stay on top of this, I can hit him back shoulder because of his body control and his ability. So just the ability to read leverage on that play, throw it back shoulder when he needs to throw it beyond and lead him when he needs to. Yeah. When I think of the connection, I just think of it's so unguardable on these like one-on-one go ball type situations because even if you're in good position he just throws it back shoulder and jamar chase is such good tracking and body control the like because when you track the ball so well that you know when exactly when it's coming you can be really late with your eyes and your hands so when the corner is watching you and then what they're keying is when do when do his eyes and hands match up he's going for that ball but what jamar chase does so well is he sees the ball, he knows exactly where it's going, and he can both set up the corner and then also just so late, like right as the ball, like inches away, put his hands up real quick, bring it down, or turn his body completely, get his feet down and go out of bounds. Just that's the connection I think of between those two is just that go ball and how it's unguardable. And I think that's a big reason why they face, they may face a lot more like two high shells this year is just because they want to get a safety over the top in the corner underneath of that because they have to take that away. But when they're when the defense is single high, it's just unstoppable with Chase, and we saw that all of last year. I think we could dedicate a whole episode of the podcast to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and it's going to be fun to watch again year two with, with each other in the NFL. But we got to get to Bengals and Steelers. A quick little early thoughts preview next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. 
We're back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We'll get really heavy into Bengals and Steelers on Thursday as we preview that matchup. But let's get into a little bit of last year. You think of week three, week 12, 24-10, the first win, 41-10, the last one. They swept the Pittsburgh Steelers. Zach Taylor kind of a little bit, tiny bit, has... Pittsburgh's number while he's in Cincinnati right now. Ever since that Monday night football game, I don't think we'll we'll ever forget Ryan Finley's game when he comes in and uh, helps him win on Monday night football. You got the Von Bell hit, and then you fast forward to what this season is. I think one thing that really sticks out for me, we talked about Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. It was the touchdown pass to Jamar Chase when they beat the Steelers in week three. Week 12, it just was absolutely a mess, but the Early stats, Joe Burrow running down the field, runs one in for a touchdown. Mike Hilton's pick six, revenge against his team. Ben Roethlisberger was Ben Roethlisberger. He didn't look very good last year. But what worked for Cincinnati in those two matchups against Pittsburgh? So the second game, they kind of just pounded them with the run game and T Higgins and they were really cheating Jamar Chase or though the touchdown to T where he dunks on James Pierre and Burrow throws that when Pierre has got like three yards in front of him and he's still just like oh <laughs> you're getting dunked on dude <laughs> he just throws it up there uh Minka is playing like the ball I believe is on the right hash and he's beyond the left hash towards Chase like he's just going Chase isn't getting this ball and then he's just like, well, Higgins is really good too. <laughs> and you have James Pierre on him, who's like your fifth corner. So I'm okay with this situation. Um, so yeah, that second game was just a pound. The first one, yeah, it's really that end of the first half chase touchdown. And um, the one thing I want to think about is just Burrow himself was efficient when they I just talked about the coverage shows and how they might face more too high this season split field looks. He was 13, 16, 90 yards, a touchdown in an interception against split field looks, which is fine. That's like efficient, methodical, only missed three passes, although one of them was an interception. Uh, this is from my own charting. I just went back and charted the games this past week. Um, when he faced single high coverage, he was 23 of 27 for 287 yards and three touchdowns. Did throw a pick, but it was like an end of the half type. I'm just tossing this for, you know, it's an arm punt third down situation. So it wasn't even a bad pick. 10.6 yards per attempt from that. I mean, that is just a flamethrower when they tried to go single high against them. And despite what uh, national media seems to be saying about like how oh, too high, too high is all this, you know, it's so prevalent now. The most common coverages are still cover three and cover one. So <laughs> there's still the single high post safety because the NFL is just slow to adapt. Like in college, too high becomes more standard. But in the NFL, as much as it's becoming more and more of a thing, single high is still the standard and Tomlin specifically is usually not above league average when it comes to those split field looks. So, I mean, it would make sense. It would behoove them to play them against the Bengals and try to take away the passing game, but that's just not really in their DNA. So that's the first thing I think of and what I'm looking for in this game is just like, are they going to try to challenge these wide receivers and burrow again by playing these single high, get an extra man in the box to stop the run looks or are they going to sell out for the pass and try to get this new offensive line and Joe Mixon to beat them because now their front is better and more healthy? Mitch Trubisky is going to get the start. No real surprise. I know Pickett obviously had preseason snaps, and there's excitement in Pittsburgh. It makes sense. He played in Pitt, but he will not start this game. What do you think about the starting quarterback, and do you think they'll change it up? Because they're feeling comfortable enough to – 
make Kenny Pickett active on game day? Could we see some snaps from the rookie? What do you think from Mike Tomlin when it comes to the quarterback room? I'm guessing he just starts Trubisky the whole time. I don't think it would make sense to flip him out in the first game without an injury. Um, yeah, let's uh, – <laughs> Matt Canada, to me, is the Wario of coaches. <laughs> and Mitch Trubisky is kind of like the Waluigi of quarterbacks. So. Wow. Kind of looks like him a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of think they're like, what a tandem of guys to have. <laughs> the the uh, bizarro versions of what I think of as like the good variation. Because <laughs> Matt is Harrison. Matt Kidd is running all this motion, all these crazy formations, but they're, they're to like throw like <laughs> they're like to throw bubbles and flat routes and swings to the running back. And maybe a lot of that was Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know. But uh, and then Mitch Trubisky is just, you know, he was the Nickelodeon valuable player, the MVP for a reason. He is interesting. <laughs> not not great, but he made the playoffs. And honestly, you look at his stats and they're fine, but it's just like when he faces good teams and things matter, it's kind of like, you know, Mitch Trubisky's not the guy, but yeah, I don't know. That's my uh, comparison is that Matt Canada is Wario and Mitch Trubisky is Waluigi. And I don't know what to expect out of that offense, but I'm sure it will involve an illegal formation. You know, TJ Watt was brought up last year when he played in that second game and the pressure on Joe Burrow. And I think that I think it went viral. There was a little bit of a video with with Watt and uh, Joe Burrow just kind of fighting with each other out there. You know, nobody really talked about it after the game. Frank Pollock was not happy about it. You think about this new offensive line and this is going to be their real first game playing together. Zach Taylor's been talked about, you know, tackling in your first regular season game because, again, they took it pretty light. And Pittsburgh doesn't do that. What do you think about this D-line versus the, the Bengals' offensive line? It's uh, I think they'll have a good plan for Watt. They always seem to have a good plan for Watt. What I am nervous about for the Bengals is Cam Hayward and Cordell Volson's first ever start. Because if you ask me to rank out the best defensive tackles in the league, Donald's in his own stratosphere, but then Cam Hayward's probably number two in a tier of like three guys. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. He might be the second best defensive tackle in the entire league. Um, and that is a tough, tough draw as a rookie fourth round pick from North Dakota. And I know he looked, he looked all right in the preseason. He looked solid, but this is just such a level up in terms of competition. And then you even think like, well, what if they put Cam Hayward on Alex Kappa, which I actually think Alex Kappa matches up pretty well just because he's so strong and keeps a good balanced base. But then you've got Joby against Volson, which I don't know. We know Joby as a guy that's, you know, he's just, he's boom bust and when he wins, he wins dramatically, you know, and I talked about how sometimes it felt like Volson didn't get off the ball as well as he could. Ogajobi, if he wins, it's usually he he has an explosive get off and he just fired off that ball before the offensive lineman could even react. So I have worries about um, I just I just nerves nerves about like uh, uh, Cordell Volson in his first start against this defense, because I do think their front is really talented other than um, the linebacker Devin Bush <laughs> uh, everybody else though I have really high opinions of even Miles Jack where I'm just like ah, he just feels like the perfect Steelers we're gonna sign this guy and he'll play back to his Pro Bowl level of that 2017 season because I think he's really talented um yeah Alu Alu and 
Highsmith. I don't know. I think all these guys are either talented and they just haven't played up to their potential yet, or they are talented and are playing up to their potential. So I think they're all high potential. And some of them, some of them, it's just variants like Ogan Joby. And some of them, it's like TJ Watt and Cam Hayward are just consistently very, very good. So I, I, I would give the edge to the Pittsburgh defensive line, but the Bengals can overcome that on paper edge, just like they did last year with some of the uh, schematic stuff they were doing, such as these early chips on Watt and running the ball away from Watt and towards 55. And um, I feel like I'm ragging on that guy too much, but the Bengals almost took him, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, they 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 can get around it schematically, and then the Bengals have such an advantage when it comes to their wide receivers versus the Pittsburgh secondary that that's where you attack and you just hope to draw even with the offensive line versus the front. In my opinion, yeah, you think about the wide receivers. T. Higgins didn't play in the Week Three game last year, and then he had himself a day in in Week Twelve. When you think of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd out there, even Hayden Hurst, who sometimes I forget about when you think about all the weapons that they're going to be throwing to. I still think Joe Mixon catches a couple in the air, too, and, and then maybe they run the ball. But offensively, who's going to have a day for this Bengals offense when it comes to wide receivers or playmakers? Hmm. <sighs> all right. So if I'm going to take a, a just a stab. So they got killed by Chase in the first matchup last year. And then they really sold out to stop him. And then Higgins has a day as a pass catcher. My guess is it's chase again. I think they'll find a way to get him involved and just whoever he matches up with is a mismatch unless they just full bracket him and try to play Minka and a guy on him or something like that. And then it's somebody else, but that's just, in my opinion, probably not sound strategy. <laughs> Uh, to let Higgins go one-on-one -on -one with, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess Cam Sutton's a fine corner, so I'm not going to rag on him too much. But, you know, it just I would give the advantage to Higgins, though. And, like, between uh, – he's probably in the slot against Boyd. I don't know. <laughs> I All this to say, I think it'll be Jamar Chase. I don't know. Who do you think? I think it's going to be T. Higgins. I Again? Think, yes. I think it's going to be T. There's just something about what season I feel like he's going to have this year. Even Jamar Chase, he, he won Rookie of the Year. He had insane stats, broke all kinds of records. I think he's going to be able to do that. But I think you get a full, healthy T. Higgins out there, and we're going to see him just have himself a year. And this is a big year for T. Higgins uh, when, when we talk about the future. But one thing that I'll say it again on Thursday, and I didn't say it on social media, but it's how I feel. And I said that I feel like Zach Taylor has a little bit of the Steelers number recently. Mike Tomlin worries me. Week one, you're the big time underdogs. I would say big time going into Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, the first thing I actually think of in this matchup this season is that the Bengals are basically the Steelers and the Steelers are the Bengals of the past few years where I would always go into the game thinking the Steelers are going to win this. They're 11-0 and or something. Yeah or uh, I hope the Bengals can pull this out. Now it's the Bengals need to win this game because this is one of the easier matchups early in the year. Like they have to go to Dallas next week and then they get the Dolphins at home on a Thursday night football game. You can't lose the game at home to the Steelers week one, but 
Yeah. I mean, the coaching in, in general, because they had Brian Flores. So I'm thinking they're going to add some interesting pressure packages, which I'm not going to enjoy watching, <laughs> I assume. Hopefully Pollock's got those guys ready uh, because, yeah, man, I, I know there's the whole thing with Flores, but he did such a good job in Miami. And it was specifically the defense and everything that came with that fired for other reasons. Uh, but I just like the Steelers got such a steal with that guy. Like he's probably doing a lot for that defense more than just being the linebacker coach. I have to imagine the guy who was giving, who, who had maybe the best pressure package in the league is giving Tomlin some help on like, Hey, what if we implement this? Yeah, I think for Pittsburgh alone, this is not a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Please don't kill me if you're listening right now. But I think they're going to be better than expected. Not winning the division. I don't see them in the playoffs. I know some team, some experts are putting them in the postseason as a wild card. I think they're going to be better than expected. And then obviously with Mike Tomlin, he has winning seasons no matter what. Yeah, he he is struggling to get back and winning in the postseason. But there's just something about this game that everything feels a little too right. You're opening it at home. And we'll have predictions and all of that fun stuff on Thursday when it comes to what we think is going to happen in this game. Just a little Tuesday scaries right now. Thinking about <laughs> that matchup. It's going to rain. And there could be a few storms. Hopefully not. And yeah. I don't know. There's just uh, maybe maybe my mindset will all change by Thursday. I'm still picking them to win. I'll tell you right now. I pick I'm picking them. To oh, win. I'm I'm picking the Bengals to win too. But I do agree with you that I think the Steelers are better than expected because I just don't think I can have them going below 500 as mm-hmm. long as Tomlin's there. He's just like in the NBA, you've got these guys that these are the players, but they're just floor raisers. Like if you have a uh, a Giannis, you're not going to finish below 50, uh, 45 wins. That's kind of how I feel about Tomlin. He's just such a floor raiser. If you can get duck hodges to to 500 you could probably do it with trubisky and and Pickett. so i just i don't think i can bet against them until proven otherwise here's my really really hot take and then we're going to move on and we'll talk afc north and all of that fun stuff i think they have a better quarterback this year than last year oh yeah i mean ben ben out there he should have retired after two years ago but i think he just didn't want to go out to an embarrassing loss to the browns Although I guess he might have wanted to come back last year. I don't know the whole situation. Uh, but yeah, I think it'd be hard to be worse because he's Yeah, just... that's true. That's true. <laughs> he's throwing to Mike Hilton. That was one of his favorite weapons at Paul Brown Stadium <laughs> last year. And that was still absolutely amazing to watch. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Uh, we'll get back to the predictions that AFC North. What is going to happen this year for your AFC defending champs, the Cincinnati Bengals, next on It's Always Game Day for Cincinnati. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. One of my favorite things is to predict the future because I don't think a lot of people had Cincinnati in the Super Bowl last year. Winning the AFC North was a little bit of a surprise. 
but this year some would say they're hunted they're gonna miss the playoffs that was just a fluke they got lucky which yes in the playoffs you do get a little bit of lucky you have to be good lucky and healthy and that worked out for them so you know maybe they can do it again well, let's get to it. We don't have to break down every single game, but there are a few highlights throughout the season that I think you can predict that could go either way. When you think of NFL teams, you think of some of the best. They have those games every now and then where you're like, you should have won that game. You can go back to last year for Cincinnati, should have been the Niners game. A lot of people could say the Jets game was kind of a flop, kind of a mess, and the late call at the end of the game could have flipped things. They could have come back, tied the game. That game you you definitely wanted back. Uh, the Browns' first game, everything that could go wrong went wrong. When it rained, it poured for them against Cleveland in the first matchup. And then the second game, I don't really think that counts because they didn't play their starters. When you look at this season, where do you have the Cincinnati Bengals? And give me some of your highlights and some that, you know, might surprise some people what they're going if they're going to win or lose. Okay, so um... – I don't, wouldn't be surprised if they start off really hot. Like, I don't want to say that they start off like seven, eight, no, but then you look at the opponents and it's like, I think the week two game at Dallas is tough because that's, that's a really good team. They were, I think like number two or three seed last year in the NFC and uh, it's on the road. So that's tough, but you got your Thursday night game at home. That's just such an advantage, even though that's a good team. You're in Baltimore, but they beat Baltimore so bad last year that it's hard to pick against them. They don't play a team that makes you – like I, I get nervous about the Dallas game, and I'm a little nervous about Baltimore and uh, the Miami games. But you look at the opening of the schedule, it's Pittsburgh, Dallas, New York Jets, Dolphins, Ravens, Saints, Falcons, Browns, Panthers, by Steelers. And that's 10 straight games of like I think the Bengals are the better team or at least as good as that opponent. If I'll say better, I'll say the better team because Dallas is down Tyron Smith and Michael Gallup and all these guys. So yeah, the 10 straight games with the better team. And then they play the Titans. They're probably the better team there. Then they play the chiefs finally. And that's the first game that makes you think like, okay, I don't know. That's Patrick Mahomes. Maybe they've got a real big grudge, but I wouldn't be surprised if this team is eight and one, nine and zero oh by the bye week. What? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I okay, maybe not nine and zero. I'll say eight and one, seven and two at the bye week. Like really, really good by the bye week because once again, the second half of the schedule is what is stacked. Am I doing hot takes or predictions? No, <laughs> I love it because you're acting like me. Because I'm optimistic. I am always like light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, this team can repeat because they have Joe Burrow. This defense doesn't get enough credit. I think the defense is better than it was last year. If the offensive line stays healthy, it's obviously the best offensive line that Joe Burrow's had. It's the best since 2015. And I don't think that's a hot take, which is crazy. In seven years, they finally have one. What did that 2015 team start? It was like 10 and 0. They I remember they went 8 0 in prime time. Was it 10 and 0? I don't know. I'm going to quickly Google that while you talk. Google, because I remember they went 8-0. It was prime time. I remember Tyler Eifer, Andy Dalton. You had the duo, this offense, this defense, this offensive line. And that's not what last year reminded me of. Last year's team reminded me of 2005, to be completely honest with you. I know a lot of people want to make the comparison to 2015, but last year it was 2005 for me. But It was it was 8-0, and then, of course, a 6-10 to loss on Monday Night Football to the Texans. That's so brutal. That's so, <laughs> that, that's so mid-2010s Bengals. 
you know what, not to live like the 2015 season again, but there's so many things that just like are such a bummer. Obviously the Steelers game Steelers. It's just the perfect connection. That Steelers game when Andy Dalton tries to make the tackle after he threw the interception uh, yeah. and then he's out and, and Andy was playing at an MVP level because he had an offensive line. And then the Arizona Cardinals game. I mean, all of that stuff is just coming back into my head right now from 2015. That was a fun team. That was a fun team. And if Andy doesn't make that tackle, I think that they're winning in the postseason. I don't know if they're going to the Super Bowl because 2005 was definitely going to the Super Bowl. But, you know, that game happened against the Pittsburgh Steelers. All that bad stuff. Bad, bad, bad. 2005-2015. Let's get back to 2022. What's going to happen this year? You say you could see them starting 8-1, and 9-0. Be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I could. That, that That's definitely not out of the realm of the possibility. That's where the easy part of the schedule is. And they get lucky. They get to face Dallas without Tyron Smith, and that's a much different team. And I know Dak Prescott's good, and, you know, it's just a good team in general, but they're down Cooper. They're down Tyron. They're down – they don't have um, – didn't that, that edge rusher left to the Broncos? They just – it's not as loaded as it was last year for Dallas. And then – other than that, I mean, I guess the Browns are always a team that can upset the Bengals because they've just, as the Bengals have may have had the Steelers number, the Browns have kind of had Zach Taylor's number, but that was also that was with Baker. Baker. Yeah, it also was. Well, they play Baker right after. <laughs> Lucky them. Lucky so we'll them. see. We'll see which one of them plays better against the Bengals, the Brissett Browns or the Baker Panthers. So, uh, but yeah, I, this the front half of the schedule to me is just much easier than the back half. So I could see, I'll say eight and one, because you just have to give wiggle room for a, a dropped game. Just the NFL, every team's good. But then the second half, they could end up not, they could end up with like 12 wins, even though they started eight and one. Like, like my prediction for them, it feels like 12 and five, but I could see them starting eight and one and not limping into the playoffs, but it's just, it's just a bunch of brutal games. The Chiefs, the Browns with the guy, the, the nasty man. Yeah, the do we have to mention his name? Maybe not on this podcast. I'd be didn't, fine with that. Didn't say the name, but you know, he will play. The Buccaneers, the Patriots, I feel like are just always going to be the Patriots, the Bills, and then the Ravens again. I'm hoping the division's wrapped up by the Ravens game, hopefully in the Bengals' favor. And even the Titans were the one seed last year, even though it didn't feel like it. So that's where like all the rough games are, in my opinion. They weren't really spread out that well. But this is also kind of how it was last year. And then the Bengals just went on a tear and beat every tough opponent for the most part in the second half of the season. So I don't know. It's hard to predict the schedule, but I'll say I guess the prediction that will be wrong is they start eight and one and finish 12 and five. See, I'm leaning towards 11 and, and I have 11 wins and then I have 12 wins and I'm talking myself into 12 but I could see 11 and still winning the AFC North. At the end of the day, the most important thing, this sounds so dumb, but it's true. If you're healthy, you you could win 12, 13 games, maybe even more than that, which is insane to think about. But if this team stays healthy, they have the defense, they have the quarterback, and they have a top five quarterback. I don't think I'm really breaking any news by saying that. And Joe Burrow, what he was able to do in his first full year in the NFL last year, I think of the Browns matchup. You mentioned that quarterback who shall not be named yet on this podcast. He comes back because he played, they played the Texans and then he comes back and he's on the road. That's in Cincinnati. Yeah. And I think about the atmosphere and obviously if the Bengals are winning, which they should be what that's going to be like for Cleveland coming in to Pecor stadium 
um, you think about the Bills game and the atmosphere being at home, the Kansas City game again, can they make it 3-0 against them, which would just be absolutely insane, probably see each other. No, yeah, go ahead. It, yeah, uh, that's just tough to do, right? Especially against a really good team to go 3-0 and against them. I mean, we talk about how they swept the Chiefs, but they were both such tight games. One goes to overtime, and yeah, they dominated the second half in overtime, but if they just score on that uh, that play at the end of the first half instead of even if they just kicked a field goal, the Chiefs probably pull that out based off of how the game ended up going. Like that might have been too big of a hole to dig themselves dig themselves out of. So that's just I feel like it's so tough to go three and zero against a, an Andy Reid led Chiefs team or like another team of that caliber, maybe the Buccaneers or the Rams or something like that, maybe the Bills. Uh, so that's why I'm just like, I don't know. Can it's at home, which is nice, but can you make it three and O against what I think is top, maybe the best, but I will, I'll just give respect to Bill Belichick and say the second best head coach in the entire NFL. Like that is tough and the best quarterback in my opinion in the entire league. So that's just tough. If they can do it. Awesome. And I believe they can, but will they, it's just football. So volatile. And there, it's going to be a close game, but can they pull out a third close game against such a talented duo? And then you also have to face Brady and Josh Allen and Lamar again. And <laughs> that second half of the year is just like some, tons of great games, but tons of games that make me nervous. Here's the thing. I don't think I'm going to say this to you and I'm going to be optimistic here. I don't know if you're, you're you need to give Lou more credit because Lou showed. Oh, I love Lou help. and that. That postseason run should have gotten him a head coaching job. I'll say that. It's just, it reminded me of like what Belichick used to be able to do in game plan week in, week out and completely change. He came and there's no, uh, nobody's given a name for it. And my name's terrible. But that Titans game, I called it the meat package where he came out and DJ Reader was like the second the, the second smallest guy on the defensive line. They had Tyler Shelvin in the middle. I remember watching and I went, Oh, that's Reader. He's the big one. Oh, that guy is ginormous. Like Reader next to him looks <laughs> tiny, and it worked. They they brought all the big guys. I mean, the they played a six-one uh, tilt front, which was big from uh, what Belichick and Fangio did against the Rams because they knew that the Titans' offense was similar. So to do that, to play the six-one tilt in the meat package, as I called it, to stop Derrick Henry and the Titans' offense. And then the next week to just disregard the run entirely and then play a three-man rush with a spy for the entire second half and stop Mahomes when everybody and their mother, their strategy is to play too high and pray against the Chiefs. Lou said, I'm going single high, but it's essentially uh, too high with a guy that's even deeper beyond them. So I so much respect for what he did. And he had a game plan that should have beaten the Rams. It was the offense that was shooting themselves in the foot. You look at September, and yeah, I agree. They're so lucky to have Brian Callahan and Lou back. You know, when you think about the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator, both will be getting interviews at the end of the season. I have no doubt with the way the season goes, if it does go according to plan. You look at September, and obviously the Steelers at home, 
you get week two versus the Cowboys. The Thursday night game versus, or um, actually, I'm skipping over week three because you go to New York and you play the Jets. Who can forget about the Jets? Who they're just such a toss up to me. I know a lot of people are like, oh, don't count out the Jets in their division, but I'm counting them out right now. And then you get week four versus the Dolphins Thursday night football. Obviously, a big deal. Prime time. It's the white helmet game. When you think of those four games, which one is going to be the hardest for Cincinnati? I, yeah, I said it. Week two at, in Dallas. I think that's the toughest one. Blocking Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. Trevon Diggs is just Captain Insano with the interceptions, but also touchdowns given up. Um, that defense is just in general. Dan Quinn becoming uh, turning his hat around. And just like in Pokemon, things get serious as he turns the hat around. He changes up because I was thinking like, oh, Dan Quinn is just going to be the Gus Bradley of that defense and be fine, whatever, run cover three all the time. Turns the hat around, and now he's he's calling all these blitzes and all these fun other things. Like, oh, okay, he's got one of the best defenses in the league. I think they're pretty well coached, and I think they're a good team, and you're on the road pretty long trip not as bad as going all the way to the west coast but that's one of the longer trips they make this season um just peeking at the schedule that might be the longest trip because there's no west coast games uh yeah just just took a peek so um yeah that's the longest trip they make week two offensive line might not be gelling as well as you want maybe the dallas is able to figure things out with their offensive line I don't know. They're a good team. They're the number one seed, not number one. They're probably, I think they're a number two seed for the NFC last year. It's a good, good team. And while they've lost some talent, it's still tough to beat a playoff opponent on the road. And the, I mean, the only other games I think of, like you could call a New York Jets game a trap game, but I'm not going to call that the hardest game on the <laughs> four, four games. And then the Steelers game's a rivalry game. But again, I'm not going to call that one of the hardest games when they pretty much dominated Pittsburgh in the two matchups last year. The Dolphins game is the only really contender for me, but you get a big advantage playing Thursday night at home. The short week when you have to add in travel time and things that factor into that and that they don't have as good of a quarterback as Dallas, uh, I think that matters. and. I also think, come on, Bengals, you can't blow that game. Ring of Honor game. <laughs> well, just look back to last year. It almost happened. So I know. I was there. And I'm but, going uh, to this one, too. But, no, same. And, honestly, I, 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 I want to put the Dolphins. But, at the same time, I think about quarterback matchups. Cincinnati is the best quarterback in all four matchups. And who knows what week three is going to look like. They keep saying Zach Wilson could play this week. He's not going to play this week. Um, who knows when he really returns to this team and obviously just kind of getting back into the groove of things. Um, but I think I, I got to go Cowboys. Um, I think it's going to be a fun matchup. It's on the road. It's a, it's a later game. A lot of eyes on the game. Um, that would be the one where, you know, I could see them falling and starting the season one and one. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I feel like out of all four games, that's going to be the most difficult one for them. So obviously you're going 12 wins. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going 12 wins. All right. I want to be different, but I think I got to go 12. I think that's fair. I don't want them to pull Arizona Cardinals, though, from last year. I don't want them to just go like 8-0, 9-0, and then just absolutely fall flat because that's what the Cardinals did last year. And I don't think they will because they have a better quarterback. But at the same time, I think it's going to be fun uh, to see how they start the season. But I will say AFC North champs again. Where are you at? Yeah, I agree. I think the Ravens are going to be a good regular season team. 
and they're going to probably challenge for that. But I can't go against the Bengals to win the AFC North. I just think the Ravens are week five is going to be very telling in Baltimore. I think that is the toughest game on the early schedule. I know we talked about the Dallas game so much. The only reason we didn't talk about this one because it's October 9th. That's the that's the toughest game on the schedule. Uh, not 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 the in the first half of the schedule. Pre-buy, that's the toughest game. And that's very telling for what's gonna happen in the division. Does do the Bengals go in there and just trounce them on Sunday night football in their own stadium, just like they kind of did last year? Not night football, but they did just go into Baltimore and well, it was close and then it wasn't. <laughs> So can you do that again or do the Ravens play it close, pull something out, win the game? And now you're talking about like, well, now you don't even have the advantage on them. So you have to like win more division games and the AFC, AFC games and all these other things. So can you just go in there and sweep the Ravens so that you have the uh, tiebreaker? That's what I'd look for. I think that's the most interesting game and the hardest game on the early part of the schedule. Could you imagine if they swept let me ask you this, and we do need to wrap up. Our Nick, our producer, will not be very happy with us. But do you think this team will sweep the division? No. It's the Browns? And I think I think they drop one of a Browns or a Ravens game. I think I, I'd put them at five and one. I don't think they'll get swept by the Browns or Ravens. And I don't think they drop. They could drop two games, I guess, but I don't. I wouldn't predict them dropping two. I think they go five and one in the division, sweep the Steelers, sweep one of the Browns and Ravens, and then drop one game. It's tough to go six and zero in the division. Mm-hmm. All those teams know you really well, and like I said, the Browns have had the Bengals number, and Ravens. You know, I think a little bit overstayed with the health issues last year with who was getting injured, but getting guys like Marcus Peters back, it does make a difference. The best part about all of this is when we record again on Thursday, we'll have Super Bowl predictions, but we'll have NFL football that night. Real games will be 48 hours away from the real deal. Pittsburgh Steelers are coming to town. We'll preview everything and more for week one for the Cincinnati Bengals. What's up on all Bengals for you this week? I'm doing a preview on the Steelers. And since there's no game, previous game to talk about, it's more in-depth preview. I did this on the Vikings last year. Just looking, I'm only going to be looking at the defense because I'm not going to write a thousand words about that Wario coach and his quarterback. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, just look for Hendrickson to destroy Dan Moore again. I think that's the key matchup. Um, yeah, I'm just going to preview the front that should be out by the time you're listening to this podcast, the defensive front, all those players. And then the next day on, uh, on Thursday, the, uh, I'll be previewing the, the secondary, sorry, (laughs) I couldn't think of words. Been a, been, been a hard hour. <laughs> yeah, I'll preview the secondary, and this comes with personnel and schematics. So, like, what fronts do they play? And then a look, deep look into what TJ Watt is as a player and what Cam Hayward is as a player. And then little previews of the other guys. And then for the secondary, big preview of Minka Fitzpatrick. And then little previews of the other guys and schematic. What coverages do they like? What did they play against the Bengals last year? All that fun stuff. So, if you want to get a real deep look at the Steelers defense, and uh, their players take a peek at that article. Those articles, I guess. Check it out. All Bengals, Bengals underscore Sands. He has awesome breakdown videos and just a good follow on Twitter. You can find me at Ellen DS Patterson. We'll be back on Thursday for an in-depth preview of the Bengals Steelers week one at Paycor Stadium on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.